0: Welcome to What You Didn't Expect In Fertility, Pregnancy, and Birth. How we think and feel about this enormous transition often lives in the gap between what we expected and what we actually experienced. This gap exists in part because of how we tend to talk about and portray these events on all kinds of media in a one-dimensional way. Everything was amazing, but it's more often the case that there are beautiful things that happen and at the same time, really challenging things that happen this show shares true experiences both the easy parts and the difficult parts and how we manage what we didn't expect the intense things that can happen in the course of this transition can impact how you see yourself how you see your partner and how you parent the better we understand what happened to us the better we can manage all the things that follow i'm your host Paula gomenica i'm a writer and an economist and the mother of two girls and I met many, many challenges in this process, none of which I expected. In today's episode, we hear the end of Tanya's story. To remind everyone, last week we left Tanya, who carried out her entire pregnancy on a boat with her four kids and her husband, on the table of an acupuncturist in Sarasota, Florida, waiting for the arrival of her fifth baby. Often it's the case that births after the first birth come more quickly than the first one did. But that does not appear to be the case for Tanya with her fifth. She's been sent to see the acupuncturist by her midwife, who suggested that she leave the birthing center and see if acupuncture could help move the birth along. We pick up our conversation with Tanya, who's uncomfortable with needles, lying on the table, staring at a gold Buddha on the shelf.
1: I'm on her table, lying down sideways. Staring at this little golden Buddha statue, wondering how the heck I got here, you know, after 24 hours of labor, my fifth child that you would think would already be here, 10 days overdue, feeling a little bit afraid. And here's this person threading little needles into my back, and suddenly something hurts. And it wasn't a needle poke, it was like a soreness. And I said to Janine, Ow, what was that? And she says, That is your kidney. And I said, wow, why does that hurt so much? And she goes, well, interestingly, the kidney is where we often store feelings when we are afraid. So, a, a lot of this whole staring at the Golden Buddha statue, the music that was on, and I'm in the middle of labor and I'm trying to silence my inner critic so that I can access my inner physician. That's how I describe it. I'm like, okay, I know there's some truth in here. I just need to peel away the layers of like, I feel uncertain about this whole atmosphere, but somewhere underneath there is some wisdom and I'm going to figure out what it is. And so I'm thinking about fear and she goes, well, is there anything that you're afraid of? And I start giggling. I'm like, well, I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of having to get a C-section. I'm obviously, uh, childbirth brings up all of our greatest fears, our fears of our own death, the fears of the death of a child, the fear of orphaning our children or widowing our partner. So of course I'm afraid. I'm also afraid of the pain. Childbirth is very painful. It's not the fear of the unknown anymore. It's now the fear of the known. Yeah, Of course I'm afraid. And so she goes, well, it's good that you're aware of that. Why don't you describe this fear for me? I want you to go close your eyes and think about what color is it? What shape is it? where is it residing in your body? And I'm closing my eyes and I'm trying to come up with some kind of creative answer for her, honest answer. And I said, all right, I'm really trying to work with you here, but I don't see anything. My fear doesn't have a color or a shape because it doesn't exist. This worst case scenario that I'm running inside my head, it isn't real. None of it is real. It's just something." that I've, co- some what if, what if scenario that I've cooked up. And then my kidney stops hurting. That soreness went away instantly when I said that. And I said, did you remove a needle? And she said, no, I haven't touched you. I haven't touched anything. And I said, that pain went away. And she said, interesting. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what just happened? So the process of analyzing and naming my fear and recognizing, I think there's this wonderful abbreviation, you know, fear stands for false evidence appearing real. You know, I recognized that this was an illusion. I can't see the fear. I can't name the color or the shape of the fear because it's not real. Suddenly this realization means that I've kind of dealt with it. And then she says to me, she goes, have you felt any changes while you were here? And I said, physical changes. I think I've had maybe two or three contractions during the hour that I've been here. So I don't necessarily feel anything speeding up. I don't feel like something magical has happened. She goes, well, what do you think is going to happen? And I said, well, I typically have long, slow labors because I dilate very slowly. I usually am at 40 weeks pregnant with one centimeter dilation. I feel like I've been laboring for 24 hours. My cervix is probably ripe now. And this baby is asleep. I can tell that the baby is not very active right now. And that when this kid wakes up, you know, nocturnal as, as babies in utero often are, when this baby wakes up at 8pm to do her water aerobics routine, I feel like she's going to be pushing against my uterus or against my cervix, and it will be ready. And I'll have this baby at night. I often have babies at night. So I I won't be surprised by that. And she goes, well, I think you already have your answer. And you don't have to leave feeling afraid. And you don't need to speed this up. You just need to really trust your body. And I was like, okay, well, at the very least, I feel more peaceful, and I don't feel afraid anymore. I'm just going to walk forward with this knowledge that my body knows what to do. And she gave me, I'm trying to think, she gave me some arnica, and she gave me something else, I don't remember, something holistic for after the childbirth that she said would help with inflammation and soreness. And that made a huge difference later. I mean, I I wish I could remember what it was. It's been a while, but, and I left her office and went back to the midwife. And uh, it was just probably six hours later from, from that acupuncture session. uh, My midwife did have me drink the, we made a smoothie with castor oil and a banana and some blueberries and yogurt. And to this day, banana, blueberry, smoothie does not taste very good to me yeah, I <laughs> after, say, the, after ca- that castor, castor oil yeah. is a
0: pretty strong taste that that doesn't sound
1: yeah and it does it irritates your digestive tract it can stimulate contractions if your uterus is already ready to go it can really help i know women who've tried to do the castor oil cure to try and put themselves into labor and just made themselves miserable but in this case i think it it definitely i did start contracting more after that
0: Okay, so does castor oil ripen the cervix? So if you're looking for clinical evidence that castor oil will ripen the cervix or induce labor, it's not that clear. There are some studies, but all of them have small samples, so it's hard to say if their results would generalize to a bigger population. In general, it looked like castor oil could have positive effects on labor induction in women who are past 40 weeks gestation and who'd had previous births. How does it work? That too isn't obvious. Castor oil can get the bowels moving, and there is some thought that this could stimulate labor. I should also add, in many of the people, if not most of them, who took the castor oil, it also induced nausea. I'll attach articles I found in the show notes.
1: And then and then it was kind of like a train wreck. You know, it's transition because everything's like, oh, have a contraction, have, take a nap every 20 minutes, you know, have a contraction, have a snack, have a contraction. And I was kind of like that for 24 hours. And then when it came to the point where you're seven, you know, seven, eight, nine centimeters, and your body is actually ready. Yeah, man, then it really hit me. It went from this long, slow, manageable pain to, like I said, train wreck. And I was laboring in the shower, which was fantastic from a pain management standpoint. And I was supposed to move into this uh, birthing tub. Cause I wanted to have a water birth. And all of a sudden I was like, this baby is coming now. I, I can't, she was like, well, do you want to try and move into the tub? I'm like, no, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm saying this baby is coming right now. She goes, okay, well get down on your hands and knees. And she um, turns the water off. Actually, it's funny. Cause she turned the, she tried to turn the water off and it went to like super hot. And I went, oh ow! and then she turned it the other way and it went super cold. And I'm like, ow, she <laughs> turns the water off. And like the shock of that, that was the end. Like the baby's head came out and then my daughter who had been standing in the doorway of the bathroom got to see her sister being born. Oh, wow. And all of a sudden I'm sitting in the tub and this amazing little baby girl is handed to me and she's not crying her eyes are wide open she's completely calm i had never had a birth like that you know normally it's like, like what you imagine in the hospital they pull the baby out and turn it upside down and you know and you hear crying and then you know everything's okay it's never been this calm experience where they hand this still happy baby to you it was very different and i don't know why it was different i don't know if it was her little personality or whatever but I look at the midwife and I'm like, is she okay? She's like, yeah, look at her. I mean, she was perfect. She was just perfect. And so, so calm. And then there was no rush of, uh, in a hospital, there's this rush that happens after the baby's born. You know, we're snipping things and we're quickly moving on to whatever comes next, following this protocol. And instead I had a few minutes to just hold her and I, they weren't worried about Uh, cutting the cord. She said, what we would really like is for your body to do what it's supposed to do, which is pump the cord blood back into your body and into her body. And when the cord goes clear, then we'll cut it. We'll have you, I'll hand her off to, to someone to, she had an assistant Priscilla. I'll hand her off to Priscilla to, you know, get her cleaned up and warmed up. You can deliver the placenta. And then if you'd like, you can go hang out in the birth tub and nurse the baby in there since it's all clean. (laughs) You know, I didn't have a baby in there. And that—that's exactly what happened. And I delivered the placenta, and I had nursed Rachel and delivered the placenta. They hand, handed the baby off, and then my seven-year-old, while I was in the moving into the birthing tub, she and the midwife were sort of dissecting the placenta. It was like a science experiment, which I maybe your listeners will be like horrified by that, but it was a really. Cool experience for a seven-year-old. A seven-year-old is not old enough to identify with the mom, like put herself in the mom's place. So it's kind of a really good age to witness childbirth. Is still kind of amazed by the wonder of it without being sort of shocked and horrified by it. So her memories of this experience are not scarring, but they're good. And at any time, she, there was a downstairs, if she had said, this is too much for me, or this is too intense, my husband was there, they could have laughed or gone downstairs, but she wanted to be a part of it. And I got to spend the first hour of Rachel's life, you know, with her in the water, nursing her and just stick, you know how it is when you're staring, their eyes are wide open, and you're staring at each other, you're probably memorizing each other's facial features, that, you know, amazing bonding, that animal instinct that we have. And then when I got out of the tub and put on my PJs and climbed into bed, uh, it was suddenly Sarah's birthday. You know, it's midnight and now it's Sarah's seventh birthday and there's this little baby and the midwife brings in the chocolate cake and we sing happy birthday to Sarah. And that is her seventh birthday memory. And it's it's just amazing. I feel so grateful that God answered her prayer and that I did not have to have a C-section and that everything went I guess the way that I expected, not maybe the way I wanted, but, you know, knowing what I know about my own body, I guess I look back and I go, yeah, it was a long one, just like all the others. And I'm glad that I was patient and trusted, trusted my body. And if my midwife had said, I think that this is an emergency, we need to go to the hospital, I would have been okay with that. I had made peace with that, that possibility as well.
0: That is amazing. The whole thing is amazing. And I, it is hard, I think, sometimes to shift your mindset from Western medicine where many things are explained and you trust the things that are explained and what's the what's the evidence say? And if you step into acupuncture where that stuff is not necessarily presented in the same way, and so it's hard to know what's going on and the fears in the kidney, I, I agree with you, that means something. And there's some way to translate that into something I would recognize, But but I don't recognize it said in that way. And so it's nice that you left space for that and that you felt some internal shift in terms of your mood and your person and to get to see the placentas, amazing. And I'm glad that Rachel came before her sister's birthday. So they get separate days. Yes, um, they do. That's exactly right. That all seems just amazing. That seems like a really interesting, different, right? It's different from all your other births.
1: Yeah. Very, very different, very different feeling. And then just the ability to have time. I feel like in a hospital, things are so rushed because there is a protocol because there is another mom right behind you that needs the birthing room because there's a lot of moms and just a few nurses and they might be shorthanded depending on how many people are delivering that night or that morning or whatever. There's a feeling of hurry and there's noise and light and things are beeping and alarms are going off. And there is that feeling that even if it's not an emergency, it feels like an emergency. And to give birth in a home-like setting where you're the only one there. I mean, they had two birthing suites and she had an assistant. So if another mom had come in, I think she can do two at once, but it's not going to be this hospital ward full of people. There was just the time and the quiet to let your body do what it needed to do. And it was very healing psychologically after having had births that, that didn't go according to plan, but that were in a hospital setting where everything felt like an emergency. This was psychologically very, very different. And there's such a huge emotional component in birth that I think we, under, we downplay it. We treat the human body like it's a machine, like it's just a physical vessel even down to like calling birth, almost like an illness, like you've been diagnosed as pregnant and the cure is delivery. Whereas it doesn't have to be that way. And there's this emotional component that we just underestimate. And the ability to relax and feel peaceful, even in the middle of what can be very stressful or painful, I think really helps. It helps so much. I have a really good friend who had a hypnobirth and she had twins vaginally, naturally, without drugs, without pain. And I didn't mean here till many years after I'd had my kids, but I think I always think like, oh man, if I just had one more, I could have that water birth that I never had, or like how good would I get at childbirth if I just kept going? <laughs> like I could, I could, oh, I could hire a hip, you know, a hypnotist. There's so many options and modalities that we maybe just don't even know about. Yeah, But your listeners, your listeners will get to hear all these amazing stories and will have the benefit of all of our war stories as they begin to plan their own births.
0: I I totally agree. And I do think, I do think we walk fast past the emotional part, maybe because we don't know how to deal with it or it's just not recognized or in a hospital setting, there's no space for that. I, I do think that what you're saying is totally true and there is, there is an urgency to any kind of hospital situation because you're sharing resources and, Mm -hmm. you know, they want to get you to the next step where you're in your room with the baby and now it's time to feed. And then you go home with a newborn. So any emotional processing you might've done is buried in, you know, no sleep and feeding. And so that that does seem like a really nice brief pause that you got to sit there for a minute and, and, and appreciate what happened. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and you know the recovery was very different with that baby too. There, she she doesn't have you recover at her birthing home. So, as soon as you are up and moving, just like in the hospital, I think as long as you've had, as long as you've gone poop and pee, and you've exhibited that you can take a shower, and you're you know as long as she knows that your bleeding is, you know, basically stopped and that you're fit to go home, she checks you out and says, okay, you're ready to go and. You know, hands you your baby and you're off. But I had, because I didn't want to go straight back to the boat where I was having to climb in and out of a bunk four feet off the ground or sleep on a couch up in the living room. I had gotten permission from my mother in law to use their guest room to go spend a couple of days at their home in Clearwater. And then I had this two day basically vacation from the rest of the family where I could just get to know the baby and rest and relax. And to be able to do that outside the hospital where no one is waking you up in the middle of the night and there's no lights and sounds. It was so restful. And I came home on day three after having the baby feeling like a million dollars. I've never felt so good after childbirth. And maybe some of it was Janine gave me the Arnica and I had been taking the Arnica sublingually and, you know, and feeding myself food that was really, truly wholesome, things I was hungry for, not hospital food, getting enough fresh air and sunshine. I wasn't cooped up in a room. I was sitting out in the, you know, glorious sunshine and clear water next to the pool, nursing the baby. I didn't feel rushed. All of that led to this recovery. I mean, it was baby number five. I was 38. You would think it would be so much harder, but I actually felt better after that baby than I had felt after any of the others.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I think that is a testament to lessons learned.
1: Yeah, for sure. I feel like I each birth informed informed the next birth. I learned something from each one, and I have. I told you, my sister in law, my sister in law and brother have ten children, and as much as I might be quote unquote an expert now because I have five, you see how you learn something with each one and. I just feel I'm in awe. I'm in awe of what the human body is capable of, and what mothers are capable of, and the physical and emotional strength and resilience that we have to have in order to to procreate and continue the human race. It's yeah. it's absolutely, you know,
0: I'm I'm filled with awe. I I totally agree. I think it is amazing, and I feel like before I have read, there's so much that's not well understood yet about pregnancy. And I feel like I've read in various places, the mechanical womb is about to come out. And I think, no way, (laughs) you're nowhere near because it's so complicated and it's so amazing. And we only know the barest amount about it like that. I mean, if it ever, ever happens, we're nowhere close.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there certainly... Certainly heading that direction, but I have to think, did nobody read Aldous Huxley like like the Brave New World was a tale of warning, not yeah. an instruction manual. Birth is just an amazing, creative, procreative experience, and I feel like it's such a privilege that I'm given that I was able to do it, and I really appreciate it because I know that there are women who want to have that experience and can't yep. and I do not take that for granted.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming back because that is a great story and amazing. And I wish that holistic options were available to more people in this process because you're a great person with your experience where for most people, I think the subsequent births do go more quickly and that's not your experience. And so-
1: Not my experience at all. Not Not at all what I had expected.
0: Yeah. And it's, it would be worthwhile, I think, to have these other options available to you rather than, uh, you know, race to the C-section table.
1: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think there are modalities that people just don't know about. I mean, the hypnobirthing or water birth or acupuncture during childbirth, massage therapy is another one of which I've availed myself usually postpartum, Yeah, but there are people doing it, but you kind of have to sift through the information and you're not going to get it through the medical doorway. Not so that's my hope not yet. But that's Yeah, I I mean, the hospital that Sam was born in was doing, you know, had a water birth room. So I think there's hope. I think there's hope that that will get there.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on again. It was wonderful. And thank you for all of your work. And I wish your listeners who are expecting just to have an amazing experience.
0: Thanks so much to Tanya for sharing her story. She's clearly a flexible person in some sense since she's willing to have a pregnancy on a boat. But what I find impressive and inspiring in her story is that she's able to use that flexibility to appreciate and engage with the acupuncturist in a real way, despite not understanding how this process fit into the birth she hoped she'd have. And that she was able to overcome her understandable fear in the moment. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with friends. We'll be back next week with another inspiring story.